growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. For most of us, we raise children that will test the boundaries, that will test the limits of our patience, and that will oftentimes turn our hair gray way sooner than it should have. Parenting. Is there any harder job on earth? Someone has said, In our culture, people may practice trial marriages, but there's no such thing as a trial child. Having children can be both joyous and terrifying, both at the same time. And a parent feels the weight of the responsibility of raising a child. We have to speak non-negotiable biblical truths into their lives. They have to understand that it's not okay to lie. It's not okay to steal. It's not okay to, to act in an immoral way or to be disrespectful or to, or to go, go out and be self-absorbed or worldly. They need to learn those lessons. We need to teach them those lessons. But some things, ladies and gentlemen, just really don't matter. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Fathers, do not exasperate your children that they may not lose heart. Those words from Colossians chapter 3, verse 21 is God's command to fathers and parents. But exactly what does it mean to exasperate our children? Should parents just give in to their children and give them everything they want? Well, these are just a couple of the questions Pastor Clay is going to address today in his message from this series in the book of Colossians. All summer we've been learning from this wonderful book that it's all about Him, Jesus Christ. I could have been more tactful. I perhaps could have been a little wiser in the way that I responded to them. But I can never apologize for trying to help shape and form in my children a Christian worldview. In this message, Pastor Clay is going to give parents some very practical suggestions to help them raise their children in a way that honors God and blesses their children. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. But now, here's Pastor Clay with today's message for parents. We are in the throes of Colossians chapter 3, and we are, last week talked about children and their responsibilities. I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, And this week we're moving on to parents and their responsibility. And uh, so, as I did last week, just because it's fun, thought I'd start with a few uh, little one-liners and jokes and stuff that I came across uh, having to do with parents and or slash children. Y'all ready? Get ready to laugh now. You're just going to laugh like crazy when you're... <laughs> All right. Um, I thought this was, uh, a, this was good. Cleaning your house while your kids are still growing is like clearing the drive before it stopped snowing. Did y'all say, is that amen or oh me or something like that? We spend the first 12 months of our children's lives teaching them to walk and talk. We spend the next 12 telling them to sit down and be quiet. (laughs) Any child can tell you that the sole purpose of a middle name is so he can tell when he's really in trouble. That's true, right? Yeah. Mom, I'll always love you. But I'll never forgive you for cleaning my face with spit on a hanky. <laughs> All right. Who, who is, whose mom has done that to you? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And in public, like in front of people and everything. Martin had just received a brand new driver's license. The family troops out to the driveway and climbs in the car where he's going to take them for a ride for the first time. 
Dad immediately heads for the back seat, directly behind the newly minted driver. Well, I'll bet you're back there to get a change of scenery after all those months of sitting in the front passenger seat teaching me how to drive, said the beaming boy to his father. Nope, comes Dad's reply. I'm going to sit here and kick the back of your seat as you drive, just like you've been doing to me for all those years. (laughs) All right, uh, last one. When I was a coach uh, for Little League Baseball... Uh, I used about the same opening speech every year to the kids. We have to use sportsmanship at all times. There will be no yelling at the umpires or other players and no being poor losers. Do you all understand? At that point, the kids would generally nod. Then I add, good. Now, please go home and explain all that to your parents. (laughs) Uh, Parenting. Colossians chapter 3 is where we are. Uh, Last week we read verse 20 and 21, and we will read those same two verses again this week before next week, uh, Lord willing, moving on to this this section where Paul begins to to talk about uh, slaves and their masters, and and what does that actually mean for me, and what's the application of that, and and, and what's Paul saying in there? We'll look at that. It's a very interesting closing out chapter 3 in that section right there. But Colossians chapter 3... Verse 20 and 21. The text is on the screen. If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, please feel free to open it. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. I wonder if you would uh, repeat out loud with me verse 21 Again, if you look up all of us on the screen, verse 21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Uh, Colossians chapter 3 uh, is this section, or especially this latter part of Colossians chapter 3, this section where he's dealing with these very practical issues. And I, as I said last week, Paul really gets down in our, to our stuff. Paul, the writer of the book of Colossae, really gets down into, you know, the the, the heart of the matter, it gets down to where we live on a daily basis, relationships between husbands and wives, expectations of wives, expectations of husbands, expectations of children, expectations of parents, all of those kinds of things. And he's, he's delving into this area. And last week, uh, and we've been looking at kind of these key words in there, and last week uh, I had this uh, statement, used this word, and if you remember, and it, I think it went something like this. I said, obedience is not an obsolete word. If you were here, do you remember that? If you were here and you remember it, raise your hand. Obedience is not an obsolete word. That's what I said, and we walked through that. Um, and I put that uh, outline together uh, a while back, and before I was really thinking about the idea of having the children in here, which we had them in here with us last week. Um, but my wife uh, rightfully reminded me afterwards that uh, probably half the kids in there didn't know what obedience or didn't know what obsolete meant. And uh, so, or obedience, yeah, or obedience. I never learned that word. Um, didn't know what obsolete met, meant. So that was a mistake on my part. I just wasn't thinking about the children being here, and she was absolutely right, as my wife always is. And uh, so, uh, what I should have said, and this is better, so if you have an outline, you might want to change this and tell your uh, children. I should have said uh, that obedience is not a bad word. They would have known what that meant, right? Got another word for you today, and it has to do with this idea of parenting. And, and here it is. Here, here's the word, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Heart is a fragile word. 
Again, verse 21 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. There are two verbs in verse 21 that I want to call your attention to this morning, and then I'm going to give you some, some keys or some advice or some counsel on, on parenting uh, from the Word of God and from my own personal experience and mistakes that I have, uh, have made. Uh, but there are two verbs in uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21 that we're going to take note of. The first one is exasperate. Now, before you see the definition, let me just say this. Exasperate is... Uh, in the original language it's written in, it is, a, it is a, what's considered a present tense, continuous, imperative verb. Uh, in other words, uh, it is this ongoing command from God to parents. Okay? The word exasperate, uh, you may or may not know, but it basically means to excite, to provoke, to irritate. Okay? To excite to provoke, to irritate, to excite in a negative way, to provoke them to anger, to irritate them to the place that they're upset and they're angry. So parents, it's not a suggestion. It's not something to pray about whether you ought to do this or not. It is a command from God that is continual while your children are under your authority to not exasperate excite in a negative way, provoke, irritate your children. So how many of you are thinking, well, I do that every 20 minutes. <laughs> My kids live in a state of irritation because of me. <laughs> Here's what you need to remember. The Apostle Paul, and I've mentioned this as we've looked at each one of these, wives and husbands and children. The Apostle Paul is writing to People who are professing to be believers. They're professing to be followers of Jesus. Right? We've talked about that several different times and the implications of that in these instructions. And so what Paul is, so the instructions that Paul is giving are to parents who are followers of Jesus. And so what he's saying is, parents, make sure you do not exasperate your children as a result of doing something or saying something or acting in a certain way to them that God would not desire for you to do. The truth is, we do exasperate our children. The truth is, we do excite and, and we do tick our children off. That's going to happen. The question is, are we, are we doing it as a result of some conduct, some word, some something that God would not approve of? When, when I was in high school, when I was a senior in high school, my senior class, and I was uh, those of you who don't know, I was born and raised in South Florida. And uh, my senior class trip, they still do senior class trips? They do that? Y'all know what that is? Our, our, senior, our class at high school, Okeechobee High School, home of the fighting Brahmins. Actually, it's probably more like this or something. I don't know, whatever. You should hear our fight song. <laughs> anyway, uh, at our, our, for our senior class trip, we, took, uh, we were taking a cruise to the Bahamas. Yeah, that was our senior class trip. And my parents would not let me go because they knew it was nothing but a drunken, floating hookup ship. Y'all understand? Y'all understand? Have y'all been on senior trips? I haven't. <laughs> my parents wouldn't let me go. 
I was so exasperated with them. I was so excited by their decision. I was, I was so ticked off. And they were absolutely right in not letting me go. We will exasperate our children. The question is, are we exasperating them for the right reasons? My kids, when they were growing up, we have three grown sons. And, and when they were growing up and they would come to me and they would tell me uh, some story, something happened at school or they would ask me some question about something or some event would be on television. And my response would usually be something like, well, you know, the Bible says da, 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 da. They used to get so mad at me. They would say, Dad, you have to make everything about the Bible. Now, certainly, and this is the truth, uh, I could have been more sensitive in, in my responses. I, I, I could have been more tactful. I perhaps could have been a little wiser in the way that I responded to them. But I can never apologize for trying to help shape and form in my children a Christian worldview. The idea that the decisions that you make in life should be based on, shaped by this right here. Thus saith the Lord. Here's what God says about that. Oh, your boyfriend thinks it's okay because you're in love to have sex before you're married. Well, let's see. What does God say about that? Oh, uh, so you're going to lie to your boss in order to... Well, what... A Christian worldview, the idea that, that my thoughts and my decisions and all that stuff are shaped by what God says in his word. Oh, they were exasperated. They would, they would get ticked off. We will exasperate our children. The question is, are we exasperating them as a result of things that we say, things that we do, decisions that we make that are not what God would have us to make? Now, I want to give you uh, this, oh, wait, I've got the second, second uh, verb, don't I? So the first verb, exasperate, understand what that means. The second verb is translated lose heart. Gives a little bit of an explanation of why we don't want to exasperate them. Parents, do not exasperate your children that they do not, and here's the second verb, lose heart. The heart, the, the spirit is a very fragile thing, mom and dad. And there's not a, probably not a person in this room that doesn't know what it's like to have your heart broken, do you? But nobody should have their heart broken by their parents. That they do not lose heart. All right, let, let, me, let me dive into some of these, uh, uh, some of these keys. And, and I think maybe it will help to, as, we, as we look at this idea of, of losing heart. Oh, let me, let me, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 9. This is back to the idea of, of our responsibility uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Uh, might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Watch this. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall uh, talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, there's this, this understanding that the parents have a responsibility. That's what I was talking about earlier, this Christian worldview. Parents have a responsibility to teach their children the truths of God. And they may not always want to hear it. They may sometimes get exasperated with it. But that's our calling. Now, back to uh, your heart. Yeah, here we go. Um, this is from the linguistic key to the Greek New Testament. 
It says, to be without courage or spirit. It's kind of the meaning, the idea of it. To be without courage or spirit. To lose heart. To become spiritless. To go about their task in a listless, moody, sullen frame of mind. I know what you're thinking. You just described a teenager. Yeah, but... But it's, but it's more than that. Look, here's what Abbott says. A child frequently irritated by over-severity or injustice, to which, nevertheless, it must submit, acquires a spirit of sullen resignation leading to despair. Don't, don't exasperate them in such a way that they lose heart because it is a fragile thing. And and. Bitter feelings can be built up in the life of a child that can last, quite honestly, for years, right on into adulthood, that can affect the relationship between even a grown child and their parents. Am I, am I just way off base there, or can, do you understand what I'm saying? All right, so here, here's, a, here's a few ideas uh, for you this morning. Choose your battles carefully. Now, these are, as I said a moment ago, based, I believe, on the Word of God, but based also on just experiences that I have learned. I've raised my my kids. I've I've had my shot at it, and I've done well at places, and I've made mistakes in places. And, And I'm just telling you right now, you need to learn this principle. Choose your battles carefully. There will... There, and I think I mentioned this last week, but there is, every once in a while, the parent that raises what we sometimes refer to, it's, it's, it's rarer than the, than the rarest species in all the earth, a compliant child. The child that just does everything their parents says, never gives them any back talk, hardly ever, you know, makes the wrong decisions, and they're just, every once in a while, maybe, some, maybe one of you has one of those children. If you do, thank the God of heaven that you do. Every day. But for most of us, we raise children that will, that will test the boundaries, that will test the limits of our patience, and that will oftentimes turn our hair gray way sooner than it should have. And so there will always be opportunities in our lives, in the lives of our children. For those of us who, who don't have the perfect compliant children, there will almost always be opportunities to fight to struggle, to have battles with your children. And if, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you from personal experience. If you don't learn the difference between what are the hills that you're willing to die on, what are the non-negotiables, what are the absolute essentials that, that you're, you draw the line, no, you'd not, not pass here. If you don't learn the difference between those and the things that perhaps don't matter as much, you will spend much of your children's years, especially the teenage years, fussing and feuding and fighting and pretty much feeling like a failure. Choose your battles carefully. I'll be honest with you. I wish that is a lesson that I had learned sooner in my life as a parent. I I, I think I had way too many battlefronts with my sons. Your room's not clean. Your bed's not made. Your music's too loud. Your pants are too baggy. Your your shirt's not tucked in. Your your hair's too long. Your whatever. It seemed like it was always something. And I'm not saying that, that kids, that there aren't some lessons in there that they don't need to learn about 
about taking care of the things, their possessions, and being good stewards of those things, and, and cleanliness. I'm all for cleanliness and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just telling you, some of the things that I fought with them over just really in the long run didn't make that much difference. They really wouldn't have mattered in the long run if I had just let some of it go. I remember when I was in seminary, my oldest son, J.C., uh, I came home from class one day, and I walked in the, the front door of our uh, apartment. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you got, some of y'all know our story, but you got to understand, we, we had three boys living in a, a, part, a room. What was the size of that bedroom they were in, baby? Eight by 12? Eight by 12 bedroom. There was enough room for three beds, and that really was it. And two of them were already teenagers. One was becoming a teenager, and it was a, it was a difficult time in, in their life, that's for sure. And we uprooted them from everything, and... Uh, it was just a difficult time. And I came in from class one day and I opened the door just as my oldest son, JC, who's probably 16 or 17 at the time, he's coming down the steps and he has taken, I don't even know how many rubber bands and made tiny ponytails all in his head. I, t- just everywhere. And, and it was his misfortune that I opened the door just as he's coming down the stairs in this condition. And I, and I said, no, no, uh-uh, no. You are not going outside looking like that. And he fought with me and he pleaded with me and he begged me. I don't know why he wanted to look like a freak out there, but he did. And I would not, I said, no. No, you are not going out this door looking like that. And he got so mad and he stormed back upstairs. And the truth is, that was about me. It wasn't about him. It was about the embarrassment that I would feel because my neighbors and my classmates would see my son looking like that. And I was more concerned about what they would think and I should have been more concerned about what he thought and what he felt. And why even wanted to do that in the first place? Pick your battles carefully. I'm telling you, some of the stuff, it's just not worth it. And again, uh, that doesn't mean that we give in to our children for everything that they want because we don't want to exasperate them, so we give in. No, no, we're the parent, they're the child, and we have a godly responsibility to raise them in a way that we believe is best based on the truth of God's Word. We have to speak non-negotiable biblical truths into their lives. They have to understand that it's not okay to lie. It's not okay to steal. It's not okay to, to act in an immoral way or to be disrespectful or to, or to go, go out and be self-absorbed or worldly. They need to learn those lessons. We need to teach them those lessons. But some things, ladies and gentlemen, just really don't matter. And we'd be really better off if we learned how to discern what are the battles that are worth dying over, and the ones that you're better off just kind of letting go. Here's the second. Use your words thoughtfully. Words are a powerful thing, aren't they? With words, you can, you can speak words, words of love or words of hatred. With words, you can build people up or you can tear them down. With words, you can ridicule or with words, you can encourage One of the things that I believe makes words so powerful is the fact that once they are out there, they're out there. You can't, that's right, brother, you can't get them back. 
You can't get them back. Now, when we say something that is offensive or hurtful to somebody, we can and we should apologize to them. But those words are still out there. And they still have their effect. It, it is mind-boggling to me what parents will sometimes say to their children. This week, I was looking on YouTube, trying to find some type of video that just showed an example of, of parents, um, you know, saying stupid stuff to their kids. And I couldn't even find one that I could use in here because of the language and the things that they said that were so degrading. Man, we have to be so careful about the words that we use. Thoughtfully, think, parents, think. When I was a kid, I, I got sick. I caught a cold or the flu or something. And, um, you know, I don't know, it, however many days it lasted, or a week or something like that, and I, and I got to feeling better. Unfortunately, sometime in that process of being sick and getting better, I got my dad sick. My dad caught what I had. My dad was not a nice man to be around when he was sick. And one night, we were sitting at the dinner table in silence because everybody knew daddy was sick. And this, you know, sitting at the dinner table in silence. And my dad suddenly looks at me and screams, If you ever get sick again, don't you dare come back in this house. <laughs> I was just trying to eat my mashed potatoes. I... Yeah, and this truth, I, it's only by the grace of God that I didn't turn into some germaphobe that's scared to even go outside because if I did, I might end up homeless. <laughs> think, parents, think. Use your words thoughtfully. Listen, the Word of God says it in so many places. Look, look at this in uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless, can you identify with this? The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Do you, can you, do you understand what he's saying there? James uh, chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. All I'm saying to you is that, that you and I, and obviously that applies to any relationship, that we would be wise and it would, we would do well to choose our words thoughtfully. But, but parents, with your children, think. Because you have no idea what comes out of your mouth, the ramifications that it can have in the life of your child. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's look at another one real quick. Spend your time wisely. I don't, know, I don't know when it happens. I don't know if there's any particular moment or specific age. But there comes some point in your life when you realize how short it is. Life in general. Time. How quickly it passes. And you and I need to learn this truth, especially as parents, that, that spending our time wisely is the most valuable thing that we can possibly do for our children. My life group is doing a study right now entitled Simple Life. Uh, and and it it's basically looks from a biblical perspective at the busyness of life. And it asks the question, you know, what's really important? What really, what really matters? And are some things in our life that maybe we need to, to cut out or do away with? Or some things that need to become priorities in our life? Watch this video from that uh, series and see if you can identify with this. 
I work at the newspaper in the local section. It was just this really great opportunity, honestly, that I couldn't pass up. It was full-time salary benefits. I get invited to the newsworthy events and then the not-so-newsworthy events. I just couldn't pass it up, honestly. And it's a busy schedule. But if you saw Jared's schedule, you would think I had it made. All of the people Mom, that had come Mom, up there. It was just Mom, unbelievable. Mom. Yes, yes, yes. Austin keeps kicking the ball over the fence. Okay, we'll tell Austin to stop. Austin, quit kicking the ball over the fence. Okay, I'll be back. Oh, every day we're swamped. I mean, from the time we get the kids up in the morning to the time we put them to bed at night. And the youngest, he's going to start soccer next year. So I can't even imagine what that's going to look like for us. I mean, it's hard enough just keeping track of the older two. Oh, that's my phone. Sorry. Hey, where are you? You're what? The office. Sorry about that. Jared's tied up at work. <sighs> swamped. Sometimes I think he's tied to a swamp. <laughs> Let's see. He was bombarded, um, slammed, treading water, up against the clock, overloaded. Yeah, that's about sums up our conversation. <laughs> Obviously, it's not just the kids. Jared and I have a lot of dreams and ambitions and things we don't want to let go of. Who says you can't have it all, right? I mean, that's why God made daycare. Yeah, that's my new motto. That's why God made daycare. Yeah. Honestly, outside of the kids' activities, Jared and I really don't see a lot of our children. You know, I miss the days when the two of us would go out just all by ourselves. I miss dates. <laughs> we have this great little Mexican place that we used to always go to and share fajitas, and we would eat chips until we were like sick. I can't remember the last time we did that. I'm getting depressed just talking about it. Everyone else seems to have it all together. <laughs> they seem so happy. And some days I wonder if I'm the only one that feels so overwhelmed. I do everything I know to make the moments count for my family. But time just moves so quickly. Sometimes I feel like all I'm doing is controlling chaos. Oh, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> We've got soccer. Sorry, I need to run. Uh, Dallas, Austin, come on, let's go. Can anybody identify with that? Does that ring a bell with anybody? And as some of the things are are good. It's not like that our time necessarily is always being consumed with bad things. But sometimes we may need to make some choices and decide what really matters and how can I spend my time in the way that will be the most productive, the most fruitful for my children. And we as Americans are particularly vulnerable to this, this idea that if I don't do everything, 
If I don't take my child everywhere and have them participate in every single event, that somehow they're going to be uh, left out or left behind or, or they're somehow not going to have it as good as somebody else. Or if I don't get them the very best or don't work the overtime to make the money to, to take that super nice vacation. and I, I don't know. I, I just think that maybe we don't think sometimes enough about our time. There is... For those of us who are old enough, uh, there was a singer-songwriter uh, who had a hit in the 1970s by the name of Harry Chapin, wrote a song called Cats in the Cradle. It's really a tragic story of a father who was too busy for a son who just simply desperately wanted to spend time with his dad. A child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk. While I was away, he was talking before I knew it. And as he grew, he said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know, I'm going to be like you. Cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. We'll get together then, Dad. You know, we'll have a good time then. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? He said, not today. Got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And he walked away, but his smile never did. He said, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man on the moon. When are you coming home, Dad? I don't know when. We'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. We came from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Can you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, What I'd really like to, Dad, is to borrow the car keys. See you later. Can I have them, please? The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, son? I don't know when. We'll get together then. Dad, you know we'll have a good time then. Well, I've long since retired and my son's moved away. I called him up just the other day. Said, I'd like to see you if you don't mind. Said, I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time. You see, the new job's a hassle and the kids of the flu, but it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. I know all of our lives are filled and we have so much to do and so many responsibilities and only so much time in the day and there never seems like there's enough of it. And that's why I say to you even all the more, Make sure that you're spending your time wisely, especially when it comes to your children. One more uh, idea quickly to share with you uh, this morning, and that is this. Give your love lavishly. Now, obviously, this one is kind of the overarching uh, key to all the rest of them, but give your love lavishly, extravagantly, abundantly love your kids. Tell them you love them. Show them you love them. Prove to them you love them. Hold them, hug them, squeeze them, kiss them. Talk to them, read to them, brag on them. Love them lavishly. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then, We're gonna have a good time there. If you're a parent listening today, you've certainly heard some valuable counsel concerning your battles, words, priorities, and love. Children grow up so fast, and parents only get one shot at raising a child. 
But if we seek God's wisdom concerning the raising of our children, we can have a loving relationship that bears fruit in our children and honors God. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.